This season, Taniela speaks to endometriosis and chronic illness patients, those who are going through or have gone through the pain and the diagnosis of endometriosis and are navigating this extremely common but poorly understood condition. Over the last few years, an army of patients have arisen. They are speaking out, fighting back, doing their own research and raising awareness of endometriosis. Let's listen to these brave warriors who have decided that enough is enough and who will stop at nothing to reclaim their health. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to our first episode this season of Not Defined by Endo. I'm speaking to Nicole Marriott, a beautiful soul I was blessed to meet via Instagram. Nicole set up her Instagram account at Endo of an Era to raise awareness and break the stigmas and taboos surrounding chronic conditions, infertility, and menstruating. Nicole lives with endometriosis, adenomyosis, and PCOS. After a 20-year journey to diagnosis and a nearly 10-year journey with primary and secondary infertility, her aim is to connect, raise awareness, and help others feel seen, heard, and free in their own truths and all aspects of their journey living with these conditions. Nicole believes in an inclusive community that does not exclude the voices and experience of others. So join me today and let's listen to Nicole's story. Welcome, Nicole. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's so good to speak to you. I wanted to um start talking to endo sisters because mm -hmm. initially I, I thought I thought that um you know we all have our stories it can be a bit depressing and they're mm -hmm. similar you know what's the point of having a whole season of speaking to um, people who's you know we all have the condition why mm -hmm. but then I thought about it and I said you know what is actually very important because yeah one of the things I'm trying to do is make people realize that they are not alone. And the more people hear stories, they might res resonate with you, one part of your story, and resonate with me, another part of my story. So that's kind of why I was like, you know, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to speak to people who have experienced this condition, who are fighting. I love your endo of an era Instagram name, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Because I'm like, yes, that part of your life, especially when you get diagnosed, it feels like mm -hmm. a whole journey to that point. Um, yeah. that's in it, like it's the beginning of another journey. So um so thank you again, Nicole. Um, thank you yeah, and let's just let's just talk like i'm not going to be very strict with my questioning and all that okay because i can talk so i'm, I'm, I'm good talking to a friend so let's go for it <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about yourself like who are you who's nicole what's your story and um why are you here in this space in this endo community um so yep yeah, i'm nicole um i'm from london and I have obviously endometriosis, but I also have adenomyosis and PCOS. Um, I started my page in March of last year. The reason I just started my page was because at that point I was postpartum after having my son. Right. So it's like five months postpartum. And I had all of the gaslighting of, you know, after pregnancy, it gets better and you should be fine. And I was in a really, really low space, really low space. And I just wanted to connect with other people and kind of just build my knowledge. 
and kind of start a new chapter. That's that's how it felt. I was on a new journey and a new chapter. So yeah, that's how I that's how I started the page. Um, and it's been the most amazing thing ever, honestly. Wow. wow. It really has. Yeah, I think I resonate with what you said about um, people saying pregnancy is like a cure or when you have a baby, mm-hmm. it should be fine. For me, my experience, pregnancy was like, so painful like I had to yes. go on Facebook and start looking like on groups because I feel like it's easier on Facebook to search for groups and ask questions than Instagram yes. I don't know if that's your experience yeah and I yes. was like yes. I need an endo plus pregnancy um, group <laughs> to join because yeah. I really don't get it it's supposed to be better things are supposed to be easier but I was in pain like literally from beginning to the end and I had mm-hmm. to give birth earlier because like I think everything think about someone who has been diagnosed with a frozen pelvis um Mm -hmm. meaning all my organs are basically stuck together um my reproductive organs um, to be specific and then a uterus that is just growing a baby that doesn't care about all that and just wants to grow Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes yes baby does what baby does exactly (laughs) so yes so I understand what you mean by just feeling like alone or you know wanting to connect and um yeah mm-hmm. well done on your instagram page because it has grown a lot already and yeah it's been really yeah it's been um i'm blessed it's been amazing it really has yeah it really has so when would you say when were you diagnosed with endometriosis how was life prior to that diagnosis so I was diagnosed in 2000 and i always get the year wrong it was 2017 that i was diagnosed okay. So I was diagnosed in 2017 with endometriosis and it was the March, March 2017. Prior to that, I've always had, my story is no different to most people's. So my first periods were excruciating. They were so, so painful. I started my periods when I was 11. Mm. And then when I got to about 15, I went on to birth control. Right. But I was constantly told it's normal you're a woman, you know, you're too young. It was that kind of gaslighting. So I was on contraception for quite a period of time, like over 10 years, literally over 10 years. Mm. And um, it came to, wanted to conceive. I wanted to conceive and I just wasn't getting pregnant. I wasn't getting pregnant. This is with my eldest, who's nearly nine. Right. And that I was diagnosed with PCOS Mm. that's when I was diagnosed with PCOS looking back clinically I've always had you know the symptoms of endometriosis but it just was never picked up yeah and then after having my daughter she was about two she's about two years old and I I was like you know I want to try again I want to have another child and again I just wasn't getting pregnant But because I've already got a child, there was a level of kind of dismissal. Yeah. Because I've got one already and everything was blamed on the PCOS because even PCOS, you can get painful periods with it. It's not a pain-free cycle. Right. So everything was put down to PCOS. And then like I was diagnosed with gastritis because I was heavily taking NSAIDs, heavily, heavily. Hmm. Um, And, you know, as you know, sometimes you can't eat you can just about drink and my stomach lining was bare so I developed gastritis and ulcers from 
you know, using NSAIDs. And I was ending up in A&E quite a lot. And then the bloating started. That was the significant difference. I was getting really bad bloating. And someone at A&E was like, you you need to go back to your GP. But prior to this, I'd constantly been to the GPs, but it was all kind of fertility Mm, basis. Yeah. Yeah. So I went back to a GP and I decided to see another GP, a male GP. I'd always seen females. And he honestly changed my life. His diagnosis thought was a bit wrong. He thought I had ovarian cancer. Oh, wow. Okay. Because he done the blood tests, and one of the blood tests was for CA125. Mm, yeah. Um, which is the cancer antigen 125 yeah. serum test. Mine came back elevated. And with my other symptoms, um, I had like the urgent referral to gynecology under the two week wait. Um, so this was now the early part of 2017. I still wasn't pregnant at this point. So this is now spanning 2014, 2015. This is now my second dream fertility journey. Hmm. And yeah, so I went to see Gyne at my local hospital and she was like, she didn't do a scan straight away. She didn't do a scan straight away. It was about symptoms. And she was like, you do not have ovarian cancer. She's like, you have endometriosis. And I'd never heard of it before. Never, never heard of it. And um, she'd done the scans and like it showed my left ovary was adhered to my womb. So there were certain features that she could see that were in line with adhesions and stuff like that. And then she put me for a laparoscopy literally two, three months later. Wow. So that element was really, really short, Mm -hmm. but it spanned quite a while. I just wish someone would have just said, no, these periods are just not normal. That Mm -hmm. would have saved a lot. You know, it would have saved yeah. a lot. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's condensed version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. I think that same similar to you, the CA125 test um was done for me and it was also mm. elevated. Um, yeah. and they also said, yes, it can be elevated. It usually can be a sign for cancer, but um, mm. I think I don't remember if they had already said. I had endometriosis or we were still investigating so I wasn't scared and I also went back to reading and I saw that you know if you have endometriosis it can be elevated so that was like okay this everything is pointing to endometriosis so Mm -hmm. let's you know let's try and see what's going on but yeah Yeah. for you apart you said you have PCOS and adenomyosis for PCOS what other um symptoms would you say you have or had I don't know if this is now like resolved or what's so my PCOS is really well managed like endo there is no cure but it's I find it for me personally obviously everyone's individual it's a lot easier for me to manage yeah so with PCOS at the beginning um my periods were like really really heavy and then they kind of just disappeared so to be diagnosed with PCOS, there's certain features you have to have. So like lack of ovulation, high levels of testosterone, and to have polycystic ovaries, which are different to having PCOS. They're two different features. Mm. So for me initially, for PCOS, my skin was a massive issue. Right. Um, I used to get really dark marks on my neck I cannot even pronounce the correct term for it but that's down to like the insulin and stuff like that Mm. um I wasn't always ovulating my blood test came back quite elevated for like testosterone and stuff like that so that was 
the kind of clinical features of PCOS and obviously my weight was a massive massive issue and it didn't matter what I was doing I just I couldn't lose weight mm. um I could I just I it just you know and then obviously my weight was impacting my my fertility it's a mass yeah. it's a vicious cycle wow so that was the PCOS and now it's you know really well managed my bloods are a lot better um symptoms like visible symptoms are just a lot lot better a lot lot better and then adenomyosis I was diagnosed from from that three myeloproscopy right that's when I was told but going back on medical notes um there was a partial diagnosis from a scan in 2016 which was my uterus was suggestive of adenomyosis but I was never told so I found out after my laparoscopy and I just remember it was me and my partner and my mum being in like the recovery and just he's like what you know we just learned to pronounce and endometriosis like we just learned to pronounce it to learn yeah. adenomyosis I was like what like why <laughs> yeah but the, the symptoms for adeno and endo were very very similar extremely mm. similar but it wasn't until I had my excision in 2017 that I learned to kind of understand the difference like for adeno with me I get really bad shooting pains in my legs mm. bowel movements are very very painful but that's not uncommon for people with endo so they do well. over massively yeah they cross over massively mm. but um yeah journey. <laughs> having endometriosis adenomyosis and PCOS yeah. that's like the evil triplets <laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's the triple whammy yeah the triple wow whammy. for the end you said you mentioned that you've had an um, excision surgery mm-hmm. did they take out uh how was your experience with that did they take out as much endo as they saw what so, did they say about the yeah. adenomyosis so with the and this is where the story changes. I only found, so I saw um, a consultant a couple of weeks ago and I only just found out that not all of my endo was excised. Mm. I didn't know that. I, I know like my adhesions were sorted and I had some level of excision, but I didn't know it wasn't all excised. I've only recently found that out. So yeah, as much as was excised as possible. Um, I'm still waiting for the notes to actually find out exactly what was excised. But I know for me, like my pouch of Douglas was affected, mm. my ovarian fossas, my uterus sacral ligaments. I have superficial endo on my bowel. Okay. But I've decided we're just going to leave that for a bit because mm-hmm. you don't really want to. Explore. I don't want to. And I and think you have a stoma. Yeah. And I think for me, like after I had my first excision, and I didn't get pregnant. I wanted more surgeries. Mm. Like I was begging and begging for more surgeries. And I didn't have the knowledge then to know that actually sometimes the surgeries in itself are causing scar tissue. Yep. And they said yep. to me, for fertility wise, they said no more surgeries. Yeah. Like no more surgeries. So for, I know everyone is different, but for me, that was a no go. Like, you know, mm. but I just thought, I thought it would help me get pregnant. Yeah. Um, and it, it didn't. It didn't. Mm. you know I really get what you see what you mean because for me as well I haven't had excision like I'm the one that has mm-hmm. been championing excision <laughs> surgery since 2018 like once I opened my Instagram page, excision is the gold standard of endometriosis yeah. it's really difficult yeah, to navigate this sometimes because everyone's screaming it and for me I come from a place of let's understand the difference between the two exactly. but I will never harp down someone's throat 
excision mm. excision because it's yeah. what you're it's what's accessible yeah. at the same time exactly. and it's about the knowledge when I had my excision I didn't even know there was a difference between excision and mm. ablation I didn't know I didn't know um so it's a very tricky area to navigate sometimes and yeah. you know for people that haven't had surgery or don't want to have surgery it's kind of like mm. you know why yeah. not and it's like yeah because for me my experience, yeah my experience was that um the the doctors I'll try to we don't want to do an excision surgery for you because mm-hmm. your endometriosis is really bad. Like you've mm-hmm. got a frozen pelvis, everything is adhered together. You've got like it just seemed like they were giving me these, you know, doomsday, the worst of the worst yeah. scenarios. And they said, try it, you want to have a baby, you've not had any, right? I said, I haven't. Now um try and you know focus on that, try and have your family first and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And when in that time I was very upset about it, I was mm-hmm. like, I know the excision is best. Everyone says I even spoke mm-hmm. to a doctor, I reached out to a doctor in America and I was like, um, what does he think? And he was like, Well, you know, sometimes it's best to do excision first, take out all the endo because endo can mm-hmm. well, obviously, which makes sense, affects you know the fertility, the baby, blah blah blah. Yeah. in my circumstance it was like it's going to be really like a very comprehensive surgery like because of how it is you might not you know your recovery period you know they'll give you the worst scenario like I said your recovery period might be a year or two you never Mm. know and what if you get a stoma because it's on your bowels and take it out and Mm -hmm. something happens um you know just try and then I felt like my husband was like let's do that because you never know like it's true what they're saying and then Mm -hmm. the endo warrior in me was like oh my god this is the wrong (laughs) decision blah 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 but then you know I prayed about it and I was like you know I'll try and go for it like let me Mm -hmm. try at least I'll know I tried and I'll never you know feel any regret that oh maybe I made the wrong decision and that's actually very key um, for people to know that yes excision is the gold standard but accessibility that's the first mm-hmm. thing we in the UK we're lucky that it's you know on the it can be you can get it on the NHS even though there are long waiting lists mm-hmm. especially with COVID but there are people in other parts of the world that actually uh, there's literally no excision they don't even know anything about excision you know yeah, exactly. So, exactly. yeah so those are the people that you know we just keep yes excision is like the gold standard mm-hmm. well, you know there are other things that might help as well and like you yes, said excision exactly. didn't even get, help you get pregnant necessarily it probably no, no, I, symptoms and it, it, in terms of maybe um like my ovaries and fallopian tubes because of the additions and I think obviously that helped yeah um but I I I can't say yes and I can't say no but Mm. you know there's a lot of people that I follow and they get pregnant within a year after excision that's my at the time she was like within six months you're going to be pregnant Mm. and I really struggled with that I really really struggled because I honestly believed I just I didn't know anything Mm. I didn't know anything about the condition I because at that point my journey is just about getting pregnant I just mm. want to get pregnant mm. and I'm going to do what has to be done to get pregnant you know mm. so um it's it's very difficult to navigate and yeah. and it depends where you are in your journey but for me um further surgeries and I saw different consultants they were like no no because also for my first I had um a cesarean as well mm, so I've yeah. got a lot of scar tissue in general yes 
yeah so yeah that's one thing that I always would like people to know is that you know everyone is so different circum like circumstances and mm -hmm. we, we're not all the same we're not all the same yeah you know? very true very true yeah yeah wow what a journey so what would you say um how has it been navigating the medical community so physicians and doctors and consultants I know you already said that you had seen quite a few female GPs and it was actually a male GP that yeah it was my male GP and you almost want to say oh you're a woman like me you should know but actually you should understand you yeah. should understand and that's what we expect we expect that yeah but it's not true like I don't know it's either because maybe some people just say you know yeah woman I'm a woman I have periods as well mm -hmm. it can be painful it's not that painful like you just don't realize that your experiences are completely can be completely different even if you're a woman yeah. as well so but how would you say apart from that um your experience has been with your consultants because a lot of people have um experienced really horrific I, I think for me I would just say I didn't get any like I wasn't no one was gaslighting me necessarily like mm -hmm. if you would say that you know it's normal right but some people were act are usually actively talked down to you know told that it's in there like you're making it all by you like maybe you should check your mental health like people are literally treated very badly and um, personally I wasn't treated that badly I was just kind of maybe dismissed um mm -hmm. I think dismissal is more what I experienced like <laughs> you know just wave it off like that that's yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. that's what I experienced and um Miha so rest in peace but I don't know if you saw recently the lady who um I think Aubrey and Rogers Aubrey and Rogers who, yeah, yeah, yeah who was who you know died and she had a lot of very painful mm -hmm. symptoms she had cysts and fibroids and no mm -hmm. one cared um, it was really sad and it was something that I think as we continue to do our work and highlight endometriosis and bring awareness to it, I hope that things will change. Um, but what's yes. your experience um, with the medical community? At the beginning, it was a lot of dismissal, a lot, a lot of dismissal and some levels of gaslighting, hmm. of, you know, making it up or there was points where a lot of stuff was blamed on the PCOS. Hmm. Obviously, there was a quite a, a, a time span between my diagnosis. So at the beginning, it was, you know, you're a woman, it's normal. But because I had a lot of symptoms from early on, it was you're young, you know, you're young, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, eventually, I, you know, got my male GP, absolutely amazing. And the thing with him is he was just very empathetic. He was very empathetic and he just listened. He listened. Since diagnosis, there has been some incidences. Like the first surgeon I had, like when I saw her post excision for my, you know, you have your first follow up. Mm -hmm. And she was like, her words were, I'm, it gets to me every time. She said, um, I've done my job. Why isn't your body done yours? And for what? me, that was the word, yeah. And I talk about this heavily. For me, that was the worst comment I've ever received. That is horrible. Yeah. And it, yeah, it really, really upset me because, you know, 
yes, excision is the gold standard, but you know, it's different for everyone. And also my body feels like it's trying to attack itself. Mm. And, you know, you have a level of service to me and it, yeah, it just really, really hurt me. It, I've really struggled after that. I really, really struggled because it just made me feel rubbish. I felt mm. rubbish. And when you're trying to get pregnant, that's not what you want to hear. Yeah. You know, I've done my job. Why hasn't your body done yours? That for me has been the worst comment I've ever received. Considering that was my surgeon, you know, that was my surgeon. Wow. So that's been the most difficult. But following from that, like the consultant I see now, it's been a bit of a battleground. <laughs> like it's been a massive battleground, but we're on a good page. Me and her are okay. like best buds. <laughs> best buds now. Um, and in terms of GP, now I know who to see now. Mm. And I think the most difficult thing with GPs is we would love them to know everything. Mm. but they don't they do so for me it's about that GP that has it's the empathy the understanding and just willing to listen to me listen yeah. to me first then then we then we talk mm. because I've had a lot of GPs shut me down initially mm. um and as time's gone on I mean there's one GP I see now and she's like she even knows about adeno which is extremely rare extremely rare for people to know about she's clued up on endo so she's amazing in her absence there's another GP I see and he's just he's just I keep saying empathy he just has the empathy and he listens yeah his knowledge is obviously building up um and and for me that's what makes the difference so it's been a mixed it's been a mixed bag you know fertility investigations were a bit tough Mm. very tough because you've got that whole postcode element to it. Um, yeah. I was quite young. And, you know, when I conceived my first, there was talk of, you know, me having IVF funded on the NHS. Okay. Um, and there was a lot of assumptions that, you know, my partner already had children and he didn't. And it was like, you know, is it because of where we're from? Is it because he's mm-hmm. black? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of, underlying bias underlying yeah and and I and I really always go in on that because you know not a lot of people highlight that and you know in the case of um Aubrey and Rogers like you know my heart when I heard that I was in tears yeah but for me what sticks out is everyone can relate to her and it's mm-hmm. you know that should have never happened but mm. you know she's a woman she's a black woman yeah these are all factors that we need to uplift and we need to raise yeah you know yeah. we need to raise this because there's a lot of bias so I've received a lot of bias wow you know mm-hmm. um gaslighting varied but a lot a lot of bias I've received yeah. a hell of a lot I think what you said is so, so true, so important. First of all, what you said about empathy, I think sometimes mm-hmm. it's even more important, almost more important than the knowledge because everyone can gain yeah. knowledge. You know, yeah. everyone can read a book, everyone can, you know, do research, but to have that empathy and make the patient know that you're not making this up, it matters to you. Even if I've mm-hmm. seen this a hundred times, you are still you. And I should still yeah. show that I care about your experience because just because I've seen it before doesn't mean that if that, that means nothing to a patient who feels like her life mm-hmm. is, you know, ending and she's, you know, in a very dark place. And what mm-hmm. you also mentioned about um, 
Oberon Rogers is so sad because mm-hmm. like you said we can relate to it and when she when you know she said how I think she said something like how bad must my pain get or something for me to be taking an emergency if yeah. I've got cysts I've got fibroids I've got and then what that did to me was it gave it made me my heart beat faster like yeah. this can yeah. be any one of us we any mm-hmm. one of us could because we have like I had fibroids I had um I haven't do like I have ascites it's rarer than mm-hmm. most people don't talk about ascites but um just a quick one to those listening it's um it, it's it's almost like part of endometriosis that's very rare but it's mm-hmm. when um fluids bloody fluids are filling up in your abdomen um so every time My- I have a period it increases like there was a time that I looked like maybe four months pregnant um mm-hmm. and it was just literally blood and they took her about mm-hmm. five liters one of the times that they took it out of just fluids um yeah and I've been doing research and it's actually very common well it's more common it's a rare thing that is associated with endometriosis but it happens mm-hmm. a lot in black and Asian mm-hmm. people um mm-hmm. and I'm like okay it's it's a reality of my life so we need doctors that even if you don't know a lot about it yeah Mm -hmm. trying to find out more you're trying to refer me to someone who knows more about it and I think like you said this is why we need to raise awareness because what you've Mm -hmm. experienced that them asking oh does your partner have um you know other kids just because of that yeah Mm -hmm. it's unconscious bias and the first step and it's down to where you live sometimes as well Mm -hmm. because at that time I'm from London I lived on an estate at the time there was a just a lot of biased ones deep. yeah yeah it runs really deep it does run deep um but I'm happy that you were also able to find um people who cared Mm -hmm. and who Mm -hmm. were able to that that lady doctor right (laughs) I don't even want to know what to say about her. I'm just like, you know what? I hope I wrote a complaint. Let's put it that way. I've spoken to my MP. Like, and you know, these are things that have only happened now Mm. since I've gained that. It's the confidence. confidence. Yeah. You know, and I had therapy. I had it really impacted me heavily. You know? Um it, it, and it's and it's those comments because exactly as you said it's exactly as you said you can see a thousand people with this condition mm-hmm. I am me yeah you need to my story my symptoms are mine my expectations are mine the outcomes are mine exactly you know it's so important to be treated as an individual mm. it's the key it's such yeah. a key exactly. and we're not always given that kind of respect and dignity yeah yeah well done well done and reporting to your mp writing the letters yeah. yes good yeah my mp she's great um <gasps> you know, oh, and my surgeon good. now we've got my next um surgery lined up so we're looking okay. at about four months okay because you know, now i've had my second yeah um it's time to really get in there now with the and incision take out, yeah what needs yeah. to be done all yeah. good praying for you wish you all the best with that and I hope things are fine I want to ask you a question about um how your family and friends dealt with you having like a chronic condition how would you say first of all when did you break the news to your family in a particular way and how did they take it would you say you've been supported did they understand it what's your experience been so far my family have been amazing like my partner and my mum especially and my sister 
Mm. But, you know, my mum has held me down so heavily. Mm. When I was first diagnosed, you know, a lot of my diagnosis came off the back of infertility. I found it really hard to talk to my partner, you know. And, you know, I've been with my partner for 22 years. I got with him very young. but Yeah, it was still a very difficult conversation to have. Very difficult. But he's been absolutely amazing. And my mum... You know, she was just like, we've, we're good. We've, we've got this, you know, we've got it. We are here for you. She's been doing like, you know, research. She'll send me oh, articles and, you know, and my sister, she's just really good at listening. So, you know, you know, in that terms of family, it's been a, from the, from day one, it's been a constant, you know, support system and then like with friends I think the more I talk about it because I didn't want to talk about it before I know you just don't you just don't want to you don't know what to say and you know it's really important to highlight that knowledge comes over time I thought when I was diagnosed I thought it was a bad period that's what I thought it was because that's what the knowledge I was given so at the time even the way I was describing it to people i I wasn't even, you know, hmm. doing the condition justice. Hmm. But as with knowledge and confidence comes, you know, um, there's three friends, especially, you know, one of them actually, she has endometriosis. She was diagnosed the year after me. And my other two, especially, they've just been amazing. You know, they don't understand, but they hear me hmm. and they want to learn. And, you know, even with my Instagram page, they support me heavily. And, you know, it's just it's nice to have the support but at first it was difficult to talk about yeah I'm thinking my mum coming out of the hospital saying right mum I don't have ovarian cancer but I've got this I couldn't even pronounce the word and I was giving her leaflets I couldn't even spell it out I couldn't even spell it out it was really tough to navigate but now we're all specialists I know you know we're all learning we've all got alarm bells and my mum will ring me like oh you know there's this woman at work she's got endometriosis like I've mm. sent her your insta page and oh, I'm like, yes. that's my mum's so a little mini specialist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a joke that's a joke but yeah it's um, but with that, that that's based on my voice mm. you know and, and and it's it's difficult to talk about it is difficult yeah so I think once I found it easier, um, then it became easier. Yeah. But that took years. That took years. Yeah, years it takes years. time. It yeah. takes time to, first of all, I feel like the condition comes with a, a lot of shame, even though it's not your yes. fault. You feel mm-hmm. ashamed. Like like what you said, oh my goodness, it, it hurts me when you said that the doctor said your body, because we already have those fears and those feelings, like my body's not doing what yes. it should be doing. So for someone to say that to you, oh my God. Anyway, mm-hmm. leaving that behind, let's just leave that. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a bit scary to start sharing. Like even me, I don't, not everyone in my, my uh, nuclear family. So my husband, obviously mm-hmm. my parents, his parents and, you know, our siblings know. Um, and then I have friends that know as well. And lucky for me, they've been all very supportive 
and exactly. like you said that confidence of saying this is what I have but I'm not asking for pity I just want to mm-hmm. raise awareness and I'm not trying yeah. I don't want to be a bird because that's another fear we have I think being mm-hmm. a burden to those around us I would say but um, I've also been really lucky and blessed to have to have family that understand and you know supportive and all that so I'm happy that you have that as well it's so amazing because it makes yeah, all it the makes difference yeah it does it does but how about work work has been when I was diagnosed previous jobs it was just I just got on with it I just didn't know I just thought it was normal you know so I just got on with it the job I was in when I was diagnosed and when kind of my symptoms really ramped up because at this point obviously I'm off birth control you know so I'm trying to get pregnant and stuff like that so with that element when my symptoms kind of ramped up and during investigation and diagnosis I was really lucky because my work colleague like he's just my best bud we get on so well he became my manager and that was our manager left and he became our manager and he held me down you know and I think as my manager and doing return to work because I was taking a lot of sick days I had Mm. a lot of hospital appointments for me, that was a massive thing. It was a massive thing. But, you know, prior to that, without him, it was really difficult to navigate. It was really difficult to navigate. And sometimes it's just difficult because obviously if I, when I wasn't diagnosed, I just know, you know, it wasn't until after I was diagnosed that the dots connect with the knowledge, like ovulation pains, sometimes I might get pain after the period it's not always on my period Mm. so at the time it was just like you know I'm having a really bad I'm on my period and to some people that's just the end yeah a lot of us bleed you're not the only one I know really hard to navigate Mm. um but you know I was really blessed that you know my manager at the time was my friend and then but I think what looking back one thing at the time is I never updated my medical records with my work with HR looking back even after diagnosis I never updated my medical records as you know having conditions Mm. so the job that I'm in now I started in 2018 and it's a totally different job previously I was working kind of government work at a desk and now I'm in a whole different environment and I made sure on my application and all my paperwork for HR that I put down all my conditions okay it was really important for me to put that down Hmm. but my work now are very very supportive like you know but I think the difference is as well where I work is um I work in a residential school it's a multi-ability residential school so it's it's um it's all healthcare it's all about healthcare and it's a, it's a medical world. It's a heavily medical world. So, you know, we all understand that there are invisible conditions, there are invisible disabilities. Mm. And so it's everyone that I work with, we've all got something going on. Mm. We've all been led to this kind of path. So it's been a lot easier to navigate. Okay. That's- um, when I've had appointments and, you know, surgery, obviously I've got surgery coming up it's not a surprise to them because it's all on my medical know about it. yeah you know so that's one thing I always say to people and looking back I wish I updated my medical records with work yeah. in my when I was diagnosed I really wish I did mm. um that's not to say that people are not gaslit by work they're not understood 
Uh-huh. But for me, it's work has been not too bad, and I can't okay. complain there. That's good. It's been okay. I would say the same, but there's something you said that actually I find quite interesting: the updating the medical records. I've never thought of mm-hmm. that. Like officially, yeah. I think it's very important. Fine, maybe you won't do it before you get the job. Like at the interview, you'll be like, "Okay, yeah. let me tell you something about myself." Mm-hmm. But if you get the job, I think it's actually a good idea because um, that way you're clear on you know and if they don't want you then then you know that they don't deserve like they shouldn't even have you then because it's it's a lot of work to be able to navigate endometriosis and once because what i've noticed we do is we give more when we're well we give more yes. than yes because we're like just because i know that i might be sick in two weeks time or am i calling mm-hmm. you know let me do as much as i can like there were times that my husband would say call in sick i would still go in i'll say oh, yeah i was the same i would I'll never, never yeah i'll be like i'll manage i'll manage he's like just rest mm-hmm. they understand they know i'll say no let me just do because i know that tomorrow might be worse so let me just go today so that in case tomorrow yeah. is worse then at least i've done you know that's how it is so yeah I think it's very important but I would also say I've been lucky my previous job um when I was diagnosed as well and I finally got the courage to tell my boss he was so good like he even started mm-hmm. researching it and he was like oh my god I heard that Tony has endometriosis what is that condition and he read about it and I was so impressed Excellent. and the, my new job I started in 2019 as well mm-hmm. um and it, I I just pulled my manager maybe in like the first few weeks I would say mm-hmm. um and I was like I have this thing I was like do you know what? and I said let's can I speak to you and I was like sure let's go to the coffee place near the office and we went there mm-hmm. together one evening like that was so funny because as we're going I was like have you heard of endometriosis it was like hmm I think so but I'm scared to say what I think it is because I'm not I feel like whatever I say will be wrong he then said <laughs> he was like does it have something to do with the neck or with the cyst you know so you know <laughs> and then I was like well actually yeah it's this and then I sat and then we got to the coffee place and then I explained everything and he was so understanding he was like your health is first you know we'll support you so I think it's so important that organizations understand that people that have this condition they already blame themselves a lot they Mm -hmm. already I'm not saying everyone is hardworking everyone this is hardworking and great Mm -hmm. many of us are just trying to you know do our best so I think them knowing about it will even help as well to raise awareness to do things that kind of they can make you do your work in a way that supports you. So maybe yeah. you work on other days or, you know, yeah. use some hours when you're feeling okay and things like that. So yeah, that's really, really, really important because some yeah. people have said, I didn't get any support. My manager was horrible. No one yeah. cared. And um, that's really sad for those people. So yeah, I think as we continue to talk about it, hopefully things will get better. I think they will there's a massive difference there's a massive shift there's still a way to go but it's compared to you know when I was first diagnosed or even just before with your symptoms there is a massive shift yeah and it will get better but we have to talk we have to have the right conversations okay um you know it will get better yeah 
Yeah. So I have two more questions and we're done. (laughs) (laughs) The first of the last two questions is, uh, what are you doing in your day-to-day life that you would say is helping you with, you know, I know we are talking about endometriosis, but also mm-hmm. adenal and also PCOS. Uh, because like you said, many people probably have the, you know, a combination of those mm-hmm. three as well. So what do you yeah. do in your day-to-day life that helps you navigate this condition? Um, and well, this is like a two-pronged question. Okay. <laughs> and what would you say to people? What misconception do you want them to um, do? You want to deal with so that people know the truth about your about this condition? Okay. I kind of so the second one in. What a of question? <laughs> a double question. Yeah. So day to day, it varies. It varies. So day to day. For me, it's just very diet based, very diet. So like I really very rarely eat red meat. I don't do dairy. You know, so there's those kind of dietary things that I do. Um, Supplements Hmm. on the back of nutrition, like at the moment, heavily, heavily um, taking CMOS. And it's so funny. Yes. So my father's Jamaican. So I grew up knowing about CMOS and you know ginger and all these anti-inflammatory things and mm. I laugh about it because I remember like having like bad period pains and oh, I was you know my grand or my dad would be like oh, I was gas have a ginger tea have a peppermint tea mm. and I was like no I'm fine and now I heavily rely on these oh, things yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy that as you get older sometimes you do go back to your culture yeah and it's important that we do do that as well because there's a connection that we have and it's knowledge we can give to others. So I take CMOS heavily. Um, like a lot of people, I do like red raspberry leaf. But sometimes I, I get the herbs and I boil them. I don't always do the tea bags. Okay. So ginger I take heavily. I'm a ginger fiend. Like ginger is my life. I so I do a lot of ginger heavily. But I also do a lot of like Epsom salt baths. And okay. for me, I have to do those about three times a week because I find like sweating helps and the relaxation. Ah. that really helps so these are things that I do just daily and weekly okay um movement for me really helps previously I would always kind of hunch over and sometimes admittingly I can't move like the adenoid gives like sometimes I, I haven't been able to walk wow. so that can be quite tricky but kind of movement and fresh air does really help me personally um so that that's been a massive godsend and I've started now doing castor oil packs which so far has not been too bad um I'm going to give it a couple of more months but so that hasn't been too bad and like the hot water bottles and stuff like that but overall to navigate all three is for me it's a lot of supplements and dietary that's that's what it is and then pain relief as and when it's as and when life for me I'll take it if I need it okay that's good yeah yeah that's really good um same I do a lot of I try I feel like I'm falling yeah. and I do acupuncture that's another thing sorry oh. I heavily do acupuncture okay um yeah that's one thing I've you know that came off the back of fertility no, you that's know, good. And how do you find that it helps me massively okay. it really does um I see a traditional Chinese doctor Okay. You know, and when I say traditional, I mean he like takes my pulse. 
his English is not great, but he knows, like he knows, he's like, this is what you've got. And I'm like, this is exactly what I'm feeling. Like he's traditional. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, um, so yeah, I see a yeah, traditional Chinese doctor. So I do a lot with him. Mm. Um, and then there's an elder, Rastafarian that I see. Um, and I get a lot of herbs and stuff from him as well. Um, because that's related to my culture as well that's related mm. to my Jamaican culture so that's important for me because also it's knowledge for my children it's yeah. knowledge for me it's better health yeah because I, ha- I work heavily around my gut and my liver mm. and the more I concentrate on my gut and my liver it's it, do- it does help for me personally okay. it's not perfect but it, it does help yeah I really like the idea of using herbs as well obviously mm-hmm. because I have a new baby now I have to be careful what I'm taking in um, but I remember yes. that just before all of these I started using yarrow because one of my colleagues knew yes. about everything going on and I started using yarrow mm-hmm. it has been a mm-hmm. life changer and I'm yes. like why is no one talking about it I've been wondering I've been wondering why, especially yarrow. I like. I know people are using different things. Is it black cohosh, red raspberry, yes. um, cramp bark? But I'm telling you, yarrow. Once I mm-hmm. used it, like maybe every, I, I, my my colleague gave me the herbs, so I just put it in mm-hmm. a in a tea strainer and put it in yeah. hot water, and I use it for like a week before um my period and it mm-hmm. has been amazing like yes, honestly yes. the only reason why I haven't been you know I've been trying to tell people about it but because I don't have the scientific you know backing yes, it's difficult. I'm, it's difficult. I'm like hmm, I have to be careful what I tell people but honestly, yeah that's like me I'm I want very, to do research yeah. about that that bloody herb and find yeah. out why it's working or why it's mm-hmm. helping like it takes the edge off and all that so yes we're going to talk about some of these herbs later yes, <laughs> and then tell me um something that you want I think this is well this is kind of like final question so the misconception mm-hmm. like what you think people say about endo or any of the conditions that it's not really correct and you want to put right now here's your chance and then finally okay. to end the conversation just any advice you have for anyone going through bad period mm-hmm. pains or is already diagnosed with endo Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even off the back of um, the like talking about supplements and dietary stuff, one thing that I really would like people to know is that, you know, yes, we are all different, but medically, I would really like people to understand that there are holistic ways as well, mm-hmm. you know, and it is down to in, it's down to individual, like what I do may not you know work for someone else so that's something that I'd really like to say but in terms of like myths anyone that follows my insta account insta account knows I'm have I'm like endo the myth that's my hashtag <laughs> I'm like end the myths because it is detrimental to our treatment our diagnosis mm. taboos and stigma so my myths are you know obviously where I am in my journey the one of the biggest myths is that you know, you don't just get pain on your period. It's mm-hmm. not just whilst you're bleeding. Mm. That's the biggest thing that I, I, it really irritates me. Yeah. Um, and also the link with like pregnancy being a cure. It's not a cure. You know, pregnancy is not a cure. Um, so that's a big myth that, you know, really gets on my nerves, really, really gets on my nerves. And how long have you got? I could talk, I, like, I have to huff and because I can talk about myths all day 
because that's that for me is just you know those are the, are the biggest ones and also that you know we are simply managing you know despite all what I do at home the surgery I've had the surgeries I will have they are all management and it's really important that people understand that there is no cure and I think even in the community we have to understand that yes some people do go into remission some people have that excision and that is them and yep. there is no regrowth but that's not the same for everyone yep you know um so we're all individual and you know there is always a possibility that surgery doesn't work it comes mm-hmm. back and you know things have been missed so it's a big whirlwind of hmm. you know myths that's that's my biggest thing that's my yeah. biggest thing and you know even talking of myths there was um my adeno flared really badly after I had my second because I had a c-section right obviously that's trauma in itself to my womb Uh so after my c-section my adeno flared really badly and there were points where I was unable to walk during my period that I was limping it was really bad and I was my GP was like you know yes it could be related to endo yes it could be related to adeno but we're going to still investigate Hmm. and we're still going to investigate and um, it turns out it was, pardon me, or related to adeno. But I remember the nurse doing my blood at that time was like, oh, you know, this is a lot of blood you're doing. You know, we're giving it to a vampire, that kind of joke. And he was like, what's it for? And I was like, I think it's from my adeno. He was like, oh, adeno. I was like, yeah, adenomyosis. You know, mm. you give the little blurb. And I gave a bit about endo. And I explained the symptoms of the leg pain and the back pain and being unable to walk. And this nurse was like, no, it's definitely not related. You know, your womb can't do all that stuff. And that annoyed me. You know, that was last year. That really annoyed me. So there's those kind of myths Mm -hmm. that the symptoms can be felt throughout your body. Yeah. I'm going to pause there because I can yeah. I could go on all day with that myth. Don't worry. And Anyone who wants to know more, just go on endo.of.and.era. <laughs> and I've got so many dots because I wanted it to be, you know, endo of an era. I needed I it to stand I out. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so Thank final you. advice. Final, final advice. My final advice too is, you know, if anybody is not diagnosed, track 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 your symptoms and you are valid in seeing as many people as you need to yeah you know that's my biggest thing that pre-diagnosis and just get the support there's a lot of us out there you know just find someone that you can relate to um anyone that is diagnosed and trying to navigate it's again like I still heavily track my symptoms Mm. I still heavily track and again it's the same kind of method you know, we're allowed to, even after diagnosis, it's not, the battle doesn't end. It's just a new era. It's a new era. So find that team you're comfortable with, find that GP that, you know, if your hospital appointment doesn't go well, they're going to back you. They're going to re-refer you. They're going to send you someone else. For me, GPs are a massive, massive key. Mm. And also something that I do really have to highlight is that, you know, for my journey, because I've had you know, we have, I haven't actually spoken about this on the podcast, but I've had a lot of like colposcopies and stuff recently. Obviously, my diagnosis initially for endo came off the back for ovarian cancer. Hmm. So one thing that I really like people to know that is if any symptom is new or there's a change, 
get it investigated. We cannot always sit down and say it's the endometriosis. We, right. we can't always do that. It's really important. So for me at the moment, I've going through a lot of like abnormal bleeding. Um, so obviously there's those areas that are being investigated in terms of smears and colposcopies, um, cervical cancer, stuff like that, which has all come back clear. Um, for me, that's more related to adeno. But mm. I could have sat down and said, it's the endo, it's the adeno. Yeah. And I would have known. So it's really important that we track. And it's really important that, you know, even when we're going to see a doctor or we're going to see a specialist, they don't even t- always assume it's down to our diagnosed conditions because our health changes. Mm. And that's what I would really like people to know because our symptoms mimic so many other conditions. Mm. When you check, especially like gynae cancers and stuff like that. And also a lot of us have either been misdiagnosed with the IBS and you know, all this mm, kind of stuff. True, I was our, symptoms, our symptoms overlap so much. And mm. I think for me, that is one of my biggest fears of being gaslighted over and everything being blamed for my diagnosed conditions when it could mm. be something else. Something else. So those, those are my, my, my tips. That and is- just know that you're valid. You're mm. valid in everything that is profound I think I hadn't really thought about that but I think I've I've picked that as well that Mm -hmm. any new symptoms first of all tracking I am all for tracking and then any new symptoms always you know check it out because you never know don't just blame it on endo which is so true I I never actually kind of actively thought of that but now um, Mm I'm thank you Nicole (laughs) yeah I have posted about it Mm -hmm. and you know it's tricky sometimes because some of those kind of posts don't get the what they don't know how the, to um, like the attention, attention that I really want them to get yes, and then yes. there's some posts that I've seen and you know I we're all suffering and we all go through the same but it's we have to especially if you're promoting and advocating mm-hmm. at the same time we have to really be aware that we are not medical professionals at the same mm. time yep and we have to be aware of our own bodies that you know you know my my um, investigations for both ovarian cancer and cervical cancer, those symptoms overlap massively with all three of my conditions. All three, they massively overlap. And, you know, so that comes from my experience. Somebody else could give a different tip because their experience is different to mine. And that's why combined, it's so important to talk. But please just don't always blame everything on what you're diagnosed with and don't allow a medical professional to do that either, Hmm. you know? That don't allow them to do it if bleeding during inter after intercourse or between periods is is not normal for you get it investigated mm. it's as simple as that mm. you know get it investigated yeah oh thank you so much nicole this has been nice fun. so much fun <laughs> <laughs> i love that we can with everything going on we can smile we can you know have a well, chat we have and not be down yes yes well done and thank you so much for you. you know fighting and thank you so much for not giving mm-hmm. up for speaking out for yourself and speaking out for thank others you. and um i know that someone somewhere listening will well more than one person i'm sure will you know benefit from hearing all you've had to share and yeah, um, really yeah, appreciate yeah. you coming on the show so thank you thank you for having me <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Don't forget to share, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like to share your story, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook or send an email to info at notdefinedbyendo.com. Till next time, remember, you are not defined by endo.